Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And as always, we're so excited that you're here, truly thrilled that you are with us. Last week, we started up a new series simply called The Party. We called it The Party. And I know for myself, as a dad of four kids, when I think about parties, I tend to think about birthday parties and not birthday parties for myself. Instead, birthday parties for my kids. And for our younger kids, Beck and I, my wife and I, were still making some of the decisions around these parties. What kind of cake they're going to get, who's coming to their party, what's the theme of their party. But as the kids have started to get older, they now have more and more an opinion on things, and they pretty much have an opinion on everything because my children are geniuses. Lord, help me, please. But anyway, so they have their opinion, and so they get to help pick out what kind of cake they're getting. In. They get to help pick out who's coming, what's the theme of their party, is it Pokemon, is it sports, is it Mario, who knows what they'll come up with next. But each birthday, one of the most important decisions in their eyes is deciding on where they get to eat out for their birthday. You see, we kind of have as a family, we have like an after party where we go out to a certain place and they get to choose where they go to. And this is a big, big deal for them. Now, when it comes to deciding where the last few birthdays, they've really boiled it down to two different places. And so the first option that they've come to see is Texas Roadhouse. And it's like, do I go to Texas Roadhouse? I get to sit on a saddle. I get a Texas yeehaw and I get some ice cream. That's pretty awesome right? But the other option, option two is Famous Dave's, all right? Because at Famous Dave's, you get a gigantic thing of ice cream, and in the middle of your ice cream is a huge sparkler. It's Dennis like ice cream up here celebrating his birthday with us this evening. Together, Let's right? put your ribs down, your hands together. Give him a big slappy birthday! Again, is there anything better than fireworks and fire and ice cream together? Just so you know, I did not get a cent from Famous Dave's to talk about them. But across our campuses, if there's anybody who can hook someone up for like a decade of free Famous Dave's, that would be awesome. No, but again, today we're in a series called The Party. And this year for our series, we're looking at three different stories found in the Bible. Three different stories where a party of some kind takes place. Three different stories where we come to see and understand the heart of God and his desire to see life's changed. Life's changed. You see, our God, he loves, he absolutely loves both parties and life's being changed. And so that's what we're talking about. And today we're going to continue on by looking at the story of of the jailer found in the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you just to open it up. Use any Bible you want to use. Use the Bible on your phone. Download the YouVersion Bible app. If you do not have a Bible, I feel like I can't say this enough, at all of our campuses at the Info Center, we just got brand new Bibles. They're amazing. So go grab one if you don't have a Bible. Again, open it up. No worries if you don't have a Bible. In our story for today, there is so much happening here. There's a whole bunch happening. And so I'm going to try and keep it as simple as I possibly can. But to start off, there's these two guys named Paul and Silas, two fowlers of Jesus who have just been arrested for disturbing the peace. They basically healed a girl who was a fortune teller. They healed her and it ended up causing an uproar throughout the city of Philippi. And so Paul and Silas are brought before the Roman police for causing a ruckus and they end up being stripped and they're, be they're beaten with wooden rods. Like they're severely 
severely beaten, and they're, now they're being thrown into the jail. Now they're being thrown into jail, which brings us to the jailer himself. And hear this, the jailer is ordered to do just one thing, like one thing. He is ordered to make sure that these two guys, Paul and Silas, do not Escape. Now, just a little bit more about the jailer. The jailer is a Roman soldier. Like, he is legit, okay? Think MC Hammer, okay? I mean, as a Roman soldier, he is well-trained, and he is well-disciplined, and he is respected and looked up to by pretty much everything, like everyone. Like, he, in life for him, is really, really good. I just picture, like, this stud of a dude, like a middle linebacker, and once more, he's just been given this one task. That's it, one task. As the jailer, he is ordered to make sure these two guys don't escape. Now, picking up our story in verse 24, here is what happens. Again, verse 24, it says, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, just to be clear, in case we missed it, they have just been severely beaten by the government. They're thrown into jail. It is now midnight, and they are praying and praising God. Does anyone else here feel a little bit shallow about your relationship with Jesus? Okay, I do. Anyways, continue on. Verse 26, it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner flew off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Basically, for this jailer, it's not good, right? Like, he had one job, just make sure these two don't escape, and now he's sleeping, and an earthquake wakes him up, and when he sees and assumes that all the prisoners have left as a good, honorable soldier, there's really only one option there is, right? Like, as a good, respected soldier, there's really only one option, and that is to kill himself, but continuing on, verse 28, listen to what happens. It says, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling for Paul and Silas. Trembling, he runs into this room, falls on his knees before Paul and Silas. So this is crazy, right? This is just a part of our story for today. But just comparing it to last week, though, this story is so different from last week, isn't it? I mean, last week, if you weren't here, last week we looked at the story of Levi, Levi was a tax collector, and Levi honestly was just a broken person. Levi had lots and lots of money, but no one looked up to him. I mean, Levi was hated by most. He was an outcast as society. Society labeled him as a sinner. It's not good, right? With this jailer, though, it's like the complete opposite. I mean, this jailer is a soldier, and not just a soldier, but a Roman soldier, like the best of the best, which means that he would have been respected and looked up to by pretty much everyone. And it's believed that as a jailer, that this soldier was most likely near retirement. So here he is, he's had a good career and a good life, and he's maybe not into God and following Jesus, but again, for the most part, life is good. And he's just kind of doing his thing, and he's just kind of living life, and he's just kind of coasting through. And for the most part, life for this jailer is pretty stinking good. Now, I don't know about you, but I can definitely, definitely relate with things from last week with Levi and him being a broken person. I can relate with that all too well. I'm broken in every way imaginable, but I also know, I also know that I can relate with this jailer as well. Maybe even more so. Why? Because I know for myself, sometimes it's easy. It's just so easy to just kind of 
coast throughout life, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to just coast. I mean, whether it's with school, with kids, or relationships, especially with work and goals, or just stuff in general, sometimes it's easy to go throughout a day, a week, a few months, possibly a couple years without even noticing it. Especially if life is good for the most part, it's just so easy to just live. Like you're not really sure what direction you're headed in life or where you're going, but again, things are good and life is good, and the roads are just kind of smooth sailing. You're not really sure what direction we're going, but things are good, the road is good. With this, a couple of weeks ago, our family went up to northern Minnesota for a family vacation, and and it was like a six-hour hour drive up there, and I hope this doesn't scare or concern anyone, but a few times I'm driving, my lovely family is in the back. I mean, it's just this beautiful picture of what life should look like. And a few times, though, as I'm driving, I just kind of sort of, well, completely zone out. You know? So I'm just driving down the road, and I just completely almost like lose consciousness. Like I'm just like just driving, like just completely zone out, and then like, well... 10 or 15 minutes later, I just kind of snap out of it, you know? I don't mean to concern anybody. I'm literally driving, and I, all of a sudden I come to, and it's like, where in the world am I? I have no idea where I am, and I'm driving, and I don't want to scare my family. And so I'm like, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea. And so I'm looking around, and it's like, okay, there's lots of puddles here. It looks like roughly 10,000 puddles. We must be in the state of Minnesota. That's where we're at. We're in Minnesota. St. Croix people, I love you. But again, it's like I have no idea where I am as I'm driving. Do not be concerned. I'm a very safe driver. But isn't this true when it comes to life? Isn't this true? I mean, so often we're just kind of coasting through, right? Not really sure where we're going, but things are good. And we're just busy. We're not really sure what we're busy with, but all the time we're just busy. When it comes to God, it's like, yeah, I believe in God or something. And we may even make it to church. But when it comes to our actual lives, we're not really engaged. When it comes to our actual lives, honestly, it really doesn't change that much about how we live and the things that we do. Because, I mean, we're just kind of living and, and doing our own thing. And like this jailer things are good and life is good, and we're just kind of coasting. Just kind of coasting. It's like we're just kind of mindlessly going throughout life. Well, now this week, as I sat with our story for today, the story of the jailer, there was this one phrase that kept coming up over and over and over again to me, and today I just want to pass that on to all of us, but as I sat with the story, there was this one phrase that just kept coming up over and over again, and the simple phrase was this, don't wait for an earthquake to wake up just kept coming up from my, like my soul. Don't wait for an earthquake to, to wake up. I mean, don't wait for an earthquake to check and see which direction you're headed in life. I mean, don't wait for an earthquake to evaluate what really matters and what is really important. And more than anything, don't wait for an earthquake to make things right with God, start loving Jesus, to start following him with all that you are, like your entire life. I mean, again, for this jailer, life is good and things are good. And he's just sleeping. And hear this, it takes a massive earthquake. Like an earthquake that shakes the foundations of this this prison. It takes an earthquake to wake him up. And he ends up running into the room and he falls on his knees before Paul and Silas. Once more, it's really, really simple. Do not wait for an earthquake to wake up. I mean, again, when it comes to life, don't wait for an earthquake before realizing what's really important, like spending time with your family and loved ones. I know for myself, I do not want to succeed at my work and fail as a husband and dad. 
And don't wait for an earthquake to have true community in your life. When whatever hits the fan, true community, people who actually show up, when whatever hits the fan, true community, and you actually show up in their life, people who love Jesus, people who love you, and people who show up. Don't wait for an earthquake and end up playing it safe in life instead of taking a step out and radically, boldly following Jesus. Don't wait for an earthquake and and playing it safe instead of running after the call that you know God has so clearly placed on your life. Don't wait for an earthquake to get help or to reset on life. But again, more than anything though, don't wait for an earthquake to start seeking God. Don't wait for an earthquake to fall more and more in love with Jesus. Not, not just on Sundays and not just kind of sort of following Jesus, but all in to the place where it's like, Lord, everything is yours. I mean, everything. My career, my connections, my income, my money. It's, it's not 90, 10% like of my whole life, not just 10%, all of it. My, des- my desires, my brokenness, my sin, the things I dream about, God, it's all yours. Everything is yours. Again, don't wait for an earthquake to wake up. This week I thought about it, and it's like praying for holy aha moments. Holy aha moments where you just wake up just those moments where things become crystal clear. Ever have those moments? Where out of nowhere, it just becomes crystal clear, and it's like, why am I worrying about this? Really? Just those moments where it just becomes crystal clear, and it's just like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I say I'm so busy. I'm always so busy, but when I look at what I'm busy with, it's just a bunch of garbage. Just those moments where things become crystal clear, and it's like, I'm wasting my life and my time on this. Those, those crystal clear moments where it's like, this is my priorities. They're completely out of whack. I'm wasting my money on this. Maybe I need to start doing this and stop doing that. And for all of us, I just pray that we'd have these holy aha moments. Times where we'd wake up and then we'd actually make the changes needed. And so when it comes to God, maybe it's just that aha moment of, Lord, every day I need to spend time in your word. Every day, like, I need to spend time with, with, with you. I just need to spend time in your word, Lord. Or, or, Lord, if I was even half as passionate about you as I was about my career, actually scratch that. If I was even 5% as passionate about you as I am about my career, it would change everything. And maybe as a parent, a holy aha moment where it's like, more than I want my kids to be good at t-ball. It's like, I would drive across six states for t-ball. We would never, ever miss t-ball practice because what if? But when it comes to Jesus, it's like, gosh, we just got a lot going on. I mean, we got t-ball, so we can't really spend time with Jesus. Just those holy aha moments. Or, Lord, I just want to trust you with what? Everything. Everything. I want to make this change. I want to start following you instead of myself. Lately, for me personally, I've just been having these holy aha moments of just waking up. It's just like, Lord, I've heard about your love, but I want to experience it. All of it. And I truly, I say that I live this way, but I truly want to live for you and you and you alone. I want you to be my audience of one. And I want to hunger for you and your word and just being with you like I hunger for food. Like my lungs hunger for oxygen. Like if I was being held underwater, what would I do to get air? Lord, that's how I want to be with you. Like I just need, like I just need, I just need to spend more time with you, Jesus. Jesus, would you just please change me from the inside out? 
holy aha moments. I want to be an instrument of yours, Lord, an instrument of your grace, of your kindness, of your love to the person who least deserves it. Why? Because I've never deserved it myself. One more time. Do not wait for an earthquake to wake up. Now, here's the good news, though. Just like in our story for today, thankfully, when we do experience earthquakes, thankfully, God can use them. A few weeks back, we said that God can use all things, even the things that he didn't cause, and even the things he doesn't like, he can use them for good. Earthquakes like cancer, he didn't cause it, but he can use it. And divorce, God's not a fan, but he can use that too. Again, God can use all earthquakes to wake us up. I mean, he can use good things like having a kid. I can remember becoming a dad, and it's like, I'm now responsible for another human being. That is just wrong. Like, that is wrong. I'm going to call child services on myself. Like, this is just messed up. Like, there's no questions. You should ask a few questions. You may want to, you know, my fingerprint, like a background check. Like, there's got to be something. Like, this is insane. And it was an earthquake that turned my world upside down. No kidding. Like, I didn't know up from down. And maybe for you, having kids is actually what brought you back to church. Or maybe it's what brought you to the church in the, in, in the first place. It's like, as a parent, I'm now responsible for someone else's relationship with God. Let that sit in for a second. For a time, at least 18 years, as, as a parent, you mean I'm now responsible for someone else's soul? Like, is that what you're trying to tell me? Like, I'm responsible for someone else's soul? And maybe for you, maybe your earthquake was a doctor's appointment or it was a car accident. Maybe for you, it was a transition. You transitioned careers or you moved to another town. Maybe it was a, a time of loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of, of, a, of a job. Maybe it was a season of being totally humbled. Or maybe on the flip side, it was a season of complete success only to realize on the other side of the success, it was complete emptiness. It's like I have everything I've ever wanted and prayed for and dreamed of, and yet I'm so empty. It's like I have everything, and yet I still have nothing. Again, thankfully, good or bad, whether God caused it or he didn't, thankfully, just like with this jailer, thankfully, when we do experience earthquakes, God can use them. He can use them just to wake us up. You can just use them just to wake us up. Now, going back to our story, again, this earthquake takes place, and the jailer wakes up, and he's shaken to his core, and he falls on his knees before Paul and Silas. And what does he say? What must I do to be saved? What must I do? We can also translate. What must I do to be rescued? What must I do to be made right with God? And they respond by saying, you must simply believe in the Lord Jesus. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love or his his forgiveness. Like, it's not about being good enough. Instead, you must simply believe in the Lord Jesus. Like, you must believe that Jesus is Lord and that he's in control. Again, you just must simply believe in Jesus. There's nothing we can do to simply believe. Now, just being clear, what we really believe and what we actually believe in, it impacts our life, right? What we really believe in, it changes us. I mean, what we really believe isn't the stuff that we post on Facebook, what we really believe isn't the things that we say. What we really believe, honestly, isn't how you vote. That's not what you really believe. What you really believe isn't the things that you argue about. Instead, what we really believe, it's what we live by in our day-to-day lives. What we believe, it changes us from the inside out because we believe in it. And so again, the, the jailer asks, what must I do? And they say, simply believe. Just believe in the Lord. 
believe in Jesus. And then it explains that Paul and Silas told the jailer and his whole family about, about the Lord. I, I love that. This tells us that they, they told us, they tell this whole family about Jesus. And in response, listen to what happens. Starting in verse 33, it says, Then he, the jailer, and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Again, this entire family hears about Jesus and they all believe. And as a result, they all get baptized. I mean, they all just want to publicly declare that they now follow Jesus. And then afterwards, there's like this after party of sorts where they bring out a meal and they begin to celebrate. They begin to, to rejoice and they, they basically throw a party. Why? Because their lives are changed. Like they're no longer the same people. And specifically with this jailer, this earthquake, it just woke him up, right? Specifically with this jailer, this, this earthquake just woke him up physically, but even more so, it just woke him up spiritually. And because he simply and fully believes in Jesus, hear this, because he believes in Jesus, he is no longer the same person. He is no longer the same man. Instead, he is a new creation, and he has been changed from the inside out. He's been changed. He's no longer the same person. They throw this party. One last time, I just want to say, don't wait for an earthquake. Don't wait for an earthquake to wake up. Now, today, at all of our campuses, all week, all week long, I've just, been, I've just been praying, honestly, like on my knees praying for all of us today that we just have holy aha moments. I'm like, God, will you just shake us up? God, would it be impossible for us to come and worship you today and lead the same person? Would you just grab a hold of our lives, myself, the first in line, and just shake us up, give us a holy aha moment? Maybe for you today, that just means making a specific change in your life. Or maybe it's having a hard conversation or it's seeking out help. Maybe it's deciding that you want to fully follow Jesus for the first time. It's like you've been a really good church person and you've checked a lot of Christian boxes, but you just, for the first time, you want to start following Jesus. Maybe like today in the story, you want to simply and fully believe in Jesus for the first time, or maybe you need to recommit your life to him, or one step further, maybe today, like the jailer and his family, it's deciding to get baptized. Just to explain baptism, baptism is an outward sign of something taking place in the heart. It's just a public way of declaring that we want to follow Jesus. It's a public way of declaring that we're waking up, that we're coming alive, that our life has been changed. And next Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's our summer party. My favorite part of the summer party is the baptisms. So I just want to say, if you've never been baptized before, if you're baptized as an infant and you want to reaffirm it now as an adult, I can't encourage you enough to take that step. On your connection card at all of our campuses, there's just a, a box on the bottom of your bulletin that you can just check and say that you want to, be, want to be baptized. I'd encourage you to do that. If you just know that, like, God has just been working in your life, it's just a new season, you just feel like you need to hit reset on your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you just had an earthquake just take place, and it's like, man, I just want to start new. I just want to start fresh. Like, I don't even, I'm just, I just want to, I just feel like I'm at this new place in my life. I just encourage us to, to take that step and, and, and be baptized. To close things up today, it's kind of random, but next Sunday, my mom turns 60 years old, and mom is already signed up to be baptized herself. Um, 
So this week I, I sent her a Facebook message and said, Mom, I hope it's okay that, that I plan on sending your, like telling your story. That's cool. I hope you don't mind. So I sent, sent her this message and I just said, can you just, Mom, can you just tell me why you decided to get baptized? Why you decided to reaffirm your baptism now? And she responded with an email with this. My mom said, I was baptized as an infant, a choice my parents made, and now I want to choose it for myself. I've wanted to reaffirm my baptism for some time now. And turning 60 years old the same weekend feels like another stage in my life is just beginning. I want to start it with a new commitment to my relationship with Jesus. She went on to say, I've always felt that one of my dads, my grandpa, one of my dad's greatest gifts to me was letting me know exactly where I stood in my walk with Jesus. And so I want to do this publicly, but more importantly, I want my grown children and my 11 grandchildren to know without a doubt if I were to die tomorrow, I would spend eternity with our Savior in heaven. Not because of baptism, but rather because I know and love Jesus and I know him as my Savior. Over the past eight years, she went on to say, I've had many health scares. And even at a time that I was close to death, in that moment I had no fear, no questions, and only a peace that God can give us. And I want my family to know this about me. When my own father died, there was no question for me, and for that I will always be thankful. If I haven't said it yet, next Sunday is going to be awesome. Across all of our campuses, whether you're a high schooler or you're turning 60, if you just know God is just stirring you, like you just, you're just like, what? No, I can't. I just can't. Why? What, what are people going to think? I have coworkers who attend this church. Like, what are people going to think? Or who am I? I'm so broken. Whatever the, the reason is, I just encourage you to take that step. Mark on your communication card, your connection card, just mark. And I want to be baptized, and we'll, we'll get the cattle tanks ready for you. <laughs> All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today grateful for who you are. We're just needy for you, Jesus. Whether we're in high school or we're 60 years old, God, we're just needy. We're needy like little kids in a parking lot full of cars. It's like, God, we just, we just need to stay close to our dad. Like, we just need to stay close to him. Today, again, my prayer, the desire of my heart all week long, Lord, would you just wake us up? Wake us up. We're, we're so blinded by our career, and we're just running after it, sacrificing everything we know for our career, or running after this hobby, or running after this thing, or hell, like whatever it looks like, God. We're just running after these different things. Would you just wake us up? What matters? Our need for you, Jesus. Our brokenness, our longing for you. Oh, we're so grateful that when we're lost, you come and find us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.